This is My Finest Work, where artists tell us the story behind their favorite projects to help us understand what makes a magnum opus. And here are your hosts, co-founders of Dog Ear Creative, Maureen Harmon and Dan Morrell. Aaron Mays and Kate Collins met when they were both working for Pentagram Design in Austin, Texas. Most mornings, Kate's 1972 Yellow International Scout broke down, and Aaron offered the 5-foot, 11-inch Kate a tight ride in her Mini Cooper. Those Austin-Texas commutes eventually led to a partnership in MDASH, an award-winning design agency whose clients have included everyone from the National Geographic Society, Simon & Schuster, and the Texas Observer, to Denison University, the University of Texas, and Harvard Business School. Today, Aaron and Kate talk to us about a cover they commissioned from illustrator Tim O'Brien in an effort to avoid the expected, and how Beyonce and Jay-Z made it viral. So you really complement each other aesthetically in kind of your design work. And so I'm curious what each of you would say about the other in terms of like the strengths, what you like about working with Kate or Can I start? I was going to say that she hasn't mind me copying off of her for 12 years. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That is hardly true. (laughs) Uh, Erin is the most humble and talented designer I've ever met. And those are two things that normally don't go together. Normally the egos follow the talent or the talent follows the egos. I don't know. But that was one of the things that I was drawn to her from. And she was a mentor to me. She helped me get the courage to move to New York. She helped me go after a dream job that I had after New York. And then I realized, wait, why am I, you're the one I should be working with. Like I'm chasing all of this stuff, but it's we have, we have something here. We had everybody tell us it was the worst idea. We had like accountants, people be like, don't do this. If you value your friendship, don't become partners. <laughs> it was the best decision I could have ever made. She's the best work wife ever. And I've always been more of photo and illustration art director. And she has really helped me try to broaden that into more of a focus with topography, which I think has always been my insecurity and weakness. So I feel like we've been able to balance each other out. Not that she has a weakness, but that's my love fest. I've made her completely and totally uncomfortable. <laughs> Good yes. work, Kate. Thank you, Kate. Thank you for that. Yes. Now, my yeah, my weakness is, uh, my, you know, my cheese-filled brain up here. And I would second all of that. I mean, uh, Kate is amazing. I love, I love working with her. And by evidence, by this, at this moment, she is a very good storyteller. She is an amazing storyteller. I aspire to be that kind of a storyteller. And uh, I'm going to fail at it right now by uh, just saying that Kate brings big picture and storytelling as an art form. Because I tend to be a lot more detail-oriented, focused, or whatever. I become very myopic and when I design. And so she's always able to, to take a breath and say, hey, you totally missed this gigantic hole. So we understand how you guys get together, like what makes you guys do great work together. How did that play out in the piece that you want to talk about today? Let's talk about what that piece is and sort of how you guys approached it. Okay, so the piece that we decided to talk about was a cover that we did in 2018 for Kappa Kappa Gamma. You know, when you guys had talked about our finest work, we immediately went to the sorority magazine. What we've learned is is that they actually have been a great client to kind of push the boundaries or try to think about something different, and we would never have expected that. They have famous alum, 
uh, which was Meghan Markle. And in 2018, she was getting married. And so they wanted to honor her, but they didn't really have a whole story about her. And then obviously they didn't have like direct access to her. So the story came from there was going to be a group of alumni, a group of Kappas that were going to fly to England and try to position themselves on the parade route so that they would sing the sorority song. And so the story was that. And so the cover was going to be the wedding. We talked to the editor about that. She was like, you know, it just, it probably makes sense. Everybody's going to want to see her in the gown or our audience will love seeing pictures of the wedding. And so Aaron and I had talked about that. And Aaron, we even yeah, did we, some preliminary yeah, we, cover. Yeah, we went and like tried to see what was out there, obviously. And, you know, news images of her. And of course, everything is terrible or, or has been seen a million times or, you know, and we mocked up covers. I think before we showed them anything, Kate and I were looking at it and it's just like, yeah, this is just like. And they would be really old by press date, too. You know, everybody would have. It was the most photographed thing of that year, I imagine. So the goal with making covers in general is always like, how do we make this Kappa's story? How do we make it uniquely them? And, you know, illustration seemed like a no brainer to do. And so we remembered that there was this uh, Tim O'Brien, who's an illustrator that we work with often, had done a portrait of Beyonce as Queen Bee in her sort of like Renaissance regalia. It is this beautiful, beautiful portrait for Entertainment Weekly, I think you said. Okay, and, and you know, won a bunch of awards. It was really, it was beautiful. But there was just a logical like, oh, well, oh, Meghan Markle as, as the queen. Like, that's what she, you know, she's so important to the Kappa. She's important in all these different ways. We started talking about controversy behind her at the time, which Kate will get into. But it's, you know, it just, it seemed like an obvious connection that we show her how she should be as royalty. Kate pitched it to, to Kappa and they were into the idea. Thank goodness. That's what's great about Kappa. <laughs> Tim is a joy to work with, period. And he's a fantastic portrait illustrator. Highly, highly recommend him. And he, he just did a lovely job. He was really patient with Kappa's wanting to put a bunch of Easter eggs in. There's all these different kind of hidden things in the cover, like based on color. And, you know, sororities have all their secret symbols and stuff that mean something to that audience. And he had to figure that all out, which was great. And by the end of it, you know, Kappa was happy. We were happy. Tim was happy. I think it was a really successful cover. I think, you know, one of the things that was a surprise in what we originally concepted versus what ended up being was it ended up taking on a little bit more meaning than we expected. You know, in alumni magazine world, we don't really ever have an opportunity for social commentary. And because of what was going on, the British press had been just dragging Meghan Markle through the mud. There was a lot of disapproval about her being divorced, about her being American, about her being biracial. And so for us, while all of that was swirling around, and I think even Prince Harry had sued the tabloids in that spring because there was like overt racism and in how they were depicting her. And so for, for a sorority magazine that's just trying to celebrate one of their alums, it was so cool to kind of have this place where even if the if her new 
community or the, the British population is not supportive of her. She does deserve to be there and she is royalty and we're going to depict her the way she deserves to be depicted, which was very cool. And, you know, we spent a decent amount of time making sure her skin color was right because she had complained in the press that people would whitewash her. They'd Photoshop her to make her lighter and they always took off her freckles. And she was like, I love my freckles. Why are they taking off my freckles? And so we went back and forth with Tim to kind of make sure that that was spot on. And especially with the press check and everything, making sure that the color was right, which I just love that even the client was sensitive to that. So it was a full collaboration, which is really cool when it happens. I want to go back to like the beginning of this process. It seems like in this process where you look at existing photographs and they're just not up to par by your definition, right? Many art directors could simply say, this is what we have and we'll try and put a bow on it as best we can. So you took this thing that didn't have to be boundary pushing, that could have been simpler, that could have been an easier route. You didn't take that route. No, I was just thinking it's like, that's like the motto of my family. Why take the easy route when you could make things really hard for yourself? And, you know, it keeps things interesting for crying out loud. Like if we'd be doing the same thing over and over and, you know, find the news photo, pop it in the place, be done, whatever, you know. Well, it and I think you know. too, Aaron, our newsstand magazine experience, I think helps. And I mean, Aaron has a lot more than I do, but just that idea of, first of all, what is possible, which I think sometimes... In the alumni collegiate world, there is a little bit of a culture of getting it done, do as you're told, cross it off the list. And Aaron and I truly love magazines and are still kind of dumbfounded that we get to do this for a living. I mean, it should be fun. And if you're going to produce something mainly that there's good stories in alumni magazines. Like why not push the, the boundary and make them so people actually want to pick them up and read them? So we're always trying to to keep that in mind as we attack something. And then we just love collaborating with other people. I'd much rather work with an illustrator than, you know, talk to an AP rep. It's a little bit more of an interesting day. And then we've also always said that our ultimate goal is for the magazine to go to the bathroom. And if you can, with the cover, make it interesting enough that somebody wants to hold on to it and they want to make sure that they read it, like that is the goal. And yep. However we achieve that goal is how we go about it. And toilet or bust, Aaron. Yeah, (laughs) toilet or bust. (laughs) And being safe, playing it safe doesn't always work for that. So you guys, so you created this piece with O'Brien and then you, it goes out into the world. It's well received by the audience. Mm -hmm. And then sometime later... Beyonce re-enters this story. Yeah. So flash forward to February of 2019, almost a year, I believe. And I get a text from Tim O'Brien saying, "Uh, are you guys aware that your cover, that the Kappa cover has gone viral? Which just seems like a joke because it's, uh, you know, alumni magazine. (laughs) Yeah. Like we're like, like, whatever. Tim, do you need to talk to people? You need someone to hang out with? We can talk to you. You don't have to, you know. And he's like, no, I actually just got off the phone with TMZ. You should Google it. This is nuts. And so we later learned that. So this is a little bit of a story. So bear with us. Beyonce and Jay-Z were accepting an award for best video of the year from the British 
Music Awards, which is England's equivalent to the Grammys. And actually, I later learned that they skipped the Grammys to be at the British Music Awards. And the video that Tim said to us was Beyonce and Jay-Z standing in front of his portrait of Meghan Markle and accepting the award on and turning around and facing the portrait. Not really making any comment of Meghan Markle, but accepting the award and then turning around and facing it. And I'm like, that is the weirdest thing. And so through some digging and trying to figure out what this all means, which I guess if you're a hardcore Beyonce fan, there's something, there's all these like hidden meanings and all of their, uh, all of her stuff. But they were accepting an award for a video called Ape Shit. And it's a video that was actually shot in the Louvre. They rented out the Louvre for it, which I remember when that was being filmed because I was like, man, how do you get to rent out the Louvre? Come to find out you can, it's like $15,000 to rent out the Louvre for a video. They do it all the time. Not a big deal. Anyway, so the video, the actual Ape Chip video opens up with the two of them standing in front of the Mona Lisa. And that's how the video starts. And the video has been interpreted uh, as, you know, and I've had, we kind of had to do some research because we were trying to figure out what it all meant. This is what we learned versus what my opinion of it is. But it has been interpreted as a commentary of Black people depicted in art. And so she chose the Louvre and through her costuming and her choreography, it's basically kind of, putting herself into where she belongs, like kind of taking the ownership and criticizing how Blacks have been depicted in art. So to circle it back uh, to February, this goes viral and the news gets a hold of it. And so the video that was at the British Awards, I hope I'm making sense, is they've replaced Mona Lisa. They've recreated the whole thing. And instead of it being Mona Lisa, it's Meghan Markle. and this was intended to be a like, we're with you based on everything that had been going on. Because even after her wedding, the press was merciless. It didn't stop once she became a royal. And so it was just, it was insane. <laughs> and I mean, this thing went, it went viral to the extent that Vanity Fair, Oprah, Cosmo, L, and even India Today picked it up. Our names are spelled wrong in every single instance or not correct even remotely. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I had to explain to my mom that Kay Collins is her daughter and was mentioned on the Oprah website. But it was like, it felt like a reach. <laughs> I was like, no, mom, that's me. <laughs> to be clear for the listeners, this is not necessarily the cover of the magazine. It was the portrait itself of Megan and, and Jay-Z and Beyonce standing in front of it. Correct. And what was really cool is that the, the concept that we came up with, which was Megan deserves to be royalty. She deserves to be on the wall, just like the other royals. Beyonce did the same commentary. Now we still, I mean, so first of all, she did, they didn't get permission to, no one contacted Tim, which is why he was like, I was just interviewed by TMZ and I have no idea that this was even happening. We didn't know how they got the file. We don't know how they got a high enough res to blow it up as big as it is because even on his website, it's really little. And then they had to take all the copy off. And to this day, we still don't know how they got it. And we're waiting. I mean, Queen, Queen B is going to call back and kind of 
fill in the missing details. Tim has benefited because he has sold a ton of prints of Meghan Markle from his website. So, and he was really, he was really graceful about it, even though Beyonce could totally have afforded to license it. But he was, he was a class act when how he responded and was glad that people were getting a bigger audience was getting to see it. And Aaron and I made peace with the fact that anytime you hire anybody for an alumni magazine, they're cutting their budget for you. So at least he got some cash for, for a Kappa cover more than what we were able to pay him. But yeah, it was our 15 minutes or five minutes of fame, whatever year, however it lasted, but it was a, it was quite a ride. So when this was all happening, my husband was like, Kate, this is a big deal. Like this, this is Beyonce. This, I mean, you know how many followers she has? I'm like, no, I don't know how many followers she has. Look it up, 272 billion. He's like, this is going to change M-Dash. Like, you have to get ready. And I was like, yeah, okay. And so then I went and looked on it, looked on the Instagram post. Uh, it got 17 million views. Whose Instagram post? Your Instagram post? No. Hers. Beyonce's. Beyonce's post, 17... 17,857 views, 3 million, over 3 million likes. And so we're, re- we're, we're waiting, you know, we're waiting for the Beyonce bump. Like we put, we put her Instagram thing on our Instagram, you know, showing the screen capture of what had happened. And, and so at, before Beyonce, we had 720 followers. You ready? Yeah. No. 761 <laughs> followers Dang. after Beyonce. <laughs> that was the Beyonce bump. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I just think it's the art directors are so often the unsung heroes because the byline goes to the illustrator and the and then they're getting your name misspelled when you do get recognition for something that you've done that's amazing. Oh, yeah. And then you become <laughs> Kay Collins. Kay Collins. <laughs> But yes, so yeah, that was uh, the wild ride of the Kappa Kappa Gamma cover. And now Tim always answers my call. And it's been a big disappointment ever since. (laughs) (laughs) You know, one of the things we talked about at the beginning of this is how you two are still amped about being magazine editors, right? Like working in magazines, working in print. And I think Mo and I are too. Like we think it's viable and it's valuable and we love doing it. But this feels like there's like a tide turning out there, you know, especially during pandemic of people saying, we have to put away print for a little bit, expensive, investing more in digital. Like where do you guys come down on print and its necessity and its viability? Well, it it doesn't uh, it doesn't take any effort. Like when you get a magazine in the mail, it's there and it's in your hands, and you're already a part of it. It doesn't take any effort on your part to like look it up and find a link and do any searches <laughs> and all that awful, just heavy lifting stuff <laughs> that people have to do to find anything online. Now, I think, I mean, I think it's it's because it's still an object and people still appreciate the fact that it's like some, you know, it's like a crafted thing that you get. And you know, read it differently. There's, yeah. There's a different connection to it, you know. I it doesn't mean, make you lose sleep at night because it's blue light or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And it's something that is, 
you're not going to skim it and just read the headline. You can actually sit and have a relationship with it. I mean, my dad's been telling me for 20 plus years that I've picked the wrong horse and uh, it's all it's all going to go up in flames, which, you know, it might. And if it does, Aaron and I have a awesome plan for an end of print bar where all the magazines will live and it will block your Wi-Fi and I'll have really good whiskey. So we've got a plan B, like we're going to be fine. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think people are starting to rebel against how much time they spend on their devices and have what I hope is a more intimate connection with content. I think if we get out of the pie in the sky stuff from a fundraising component, you can't, no one's going to open up a PDF and write a million dollar check. You got to have something that actually makes people remember, have some connection to their past experience, want to be part of that community. I think that's all done more authentically through print. But, you know, the bar will be open at five. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, tactically, it's usually we, we read the stories independently and then come together with ideas. And depending on our time, sometimes, you know, we'll sketch things out and then talk about them. And part of the process, honestly, and what's so great about having a partner, what I love most, is that, you know, when you sit down and talk through your ideas, verbalizing all of that uh, is incredibly helpful for creating the visual story because you've got the visual part in your brain, but it's got to make sense you've got to be able to articulate it. And and fortunately, Kate and I can still communicate in, you know, a series of clicks and grunts at each other and still <laughs> understand what we're talking about. But uh, it's, you know, just having that different perspective and being able to work out an idea further. It's incredibly, I don't know, I think I think it's I think it's helpful. It's and it's and we both have sort of the editorial mind, I hope, along with the visual mind. I don't know. I mean, and beer always helps, too. <laughs> we get together once a week at least to, uh, you know, have lunch and talk about what's going on. And we can do all this sort of, you know, via iChat or on the phone or whatever. But um, we're the most creative and helpful when they're in the same room together and there is beer involved. Aaron and Kate, I can just say that Dan and I have loved working with you guys over the years. And it's really been fun to get to know you both as colleagues and as friends. So thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having us. This is lovely. Oh, good to see you guys. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to My Finest Work. If you liked this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review us. And please reach out to us with your feedback and ideas at mfw at dogearcreative.com.